0: and First Kings. So if you can find your place there, Mark 10 and First Kings. If you do have any questions about our ministry, please feel free to talk to us after the service. Uh, what wasn't on the video there is... Uh, in January Lisa my wife Lisa and I were going to be going to the Philippines uh, for about uh, three weeks or so two and a half three weeks to hand out some of the material that we just sent uh, over in that container the container is expected to arrive in October of this year uh, so that'll be enough time to get things staged and ready for just a mass distribution and and hand out uh, when we go to the Philippines so we're excited about that and uh, this was the first year also that we we're able to send out two shipping containers uh, within one year we've never done that before uh, so the Lord brought in all those funds for us to do these things and uh, it's just such a blessing we're encouraged uh, by what he's doing uh, to get the word of god out there uh, on the field so again uh, thank you so you know at some point in our lives we'll all be faced with making a major decision a major decision that will have an impact on the rest of our lives uh, for some that decision might be uh, trusting the lord for salvation it's a major decision maybe some of you are wrestling with that right now tonight uh, but what we do at that time uh, when we make that decision will have uh, an impact for the rest of our lives. Uh, for others, maybe it's a college. Uh, what college do I go to? What vocation do I pursue? Or who do I marry? Right? Those are some pretty big decisions that, that we may, you know, all of us have to make at some point. Well, tonight I'll, I want to look at, uh, uh, at uh, two examples of men who are faced with making uh, major decisions. And I want to look at the impacts of, of their decision, of what happened uh, when they made that decision. I'll make some application as we go along here tonight, but first I want to look in Mark 10. So let's look in Mark 10 and verse 17, and this is a very familiar passage here. Uh, We find Jesus talking to a rich young ruler, and this ruler is about to be faced with a major decision. He's very enthusiastic about talking to Jesus, and the main question he wants to ask him is about eternal life. Let's pick it up here in Mark 10, verses 17 through 22. Says this, And when he was gone forth in, uh, into the way, there came one running, and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother." And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Verse 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, and sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And verse 22 says this, And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Tonight, I want to preach to you a message on uh, just a thought here in verses uh, 21 and 22 uh, here and challenge you uh, with a message that I've called, How Will You Walk Away? How will you walk away when you have to make a major decision? When the Lord speaks to you about something that you have to do, a major decision, how will you walk away from that decision? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word again. We thank you, Lord, that it challenges us. We thank you, Lord, that it changes us. And I I pray, Lord, that you bless now our time together tonight and that you be glorified and honored uh, through what's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we quickly read over this passage here, uh, we may find that Jesus' response to this ruler's question is, is a bit strange. You know, you, you may have noticed that Jesus listed a few of the commandments there in his response to the question about how to inherit eternal life. In verse 19, he says, don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal. But we know from studying the Word of God that just following the commandments is not what gets you to heaven, right? It's not what gets you to heaven. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. In John 14:6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Ephesians 2, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. So why does Jesus appear to offer this ruler an alternative plan of salvation, if you will? I believe that what Jesus is doing here is he's exposing this ruler's heart. He's exposing what's really on this, this ruler's heart here. And coveting uh, and money and all the things that he had, that was the one thing that occupied this ruler's heart. That's what was really uh, taking first place in this ruler's life. And because he was covetous and didn't want to let go of those things, he wound up missing the blessings of God. So as we progress through the message tonight, I want you to think about, what is the one thing in your life? What is the one thing that you're holding on to? What is the one thing that you may be placing above the things of God? And because God, if God doesn't have first place in your life, there's something there. There's something in the way. Maybe it's covetousness like this ruler had. Maybe you're coveting that new truck that your neighbor has. Well, it's okay to covet the truck if it's a Dodge Ram. But if it's a Ford or a Chevy, it's not worth it. So you don't, I wouldn't even bother coveting that. No, don't covet. Coveting not good. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe that one thing that you have is a job. Or maybe your hobbies, right? You're putting that above the things of God there. You know, there's nothing wrong with having money or enjoying hobbies and these things. But when those things become the gods in your life, when, when you put those things above the things of God, then there's a problem. We don't want to give God the crumbs of our life, right? We want to give Him the best. We want to give Him everything that we have so He can use us in ways that we have no idea. Maybe you've been saving up for a new hunting scope or a new fishing boat or maybe a new sewing machine or maybe a new pair of shoes. The ladies aren't off the hook tonight either, right? This applies to everybody here tonight. As each day passes, as each week passes, the thoughts that you have, you're consumed with how am I going to get this new thing, this new gadget, whatever it is, right? Right? We all enjoy new things, don't we, when we can afford them these days, right? Things are so expensive. But when was the last time that your thoughts were consumed about doing something new for God? When was the last time that you were really excited and energized and encouraged to want to serve God in a way that maybe he's calling you to serve him? Maybe he wants you to get involved uh, with soul winning or handing out tracts or doing some work around the church or serving in a ministry. Do you get excited about that? Are you excited about serving? Boy, I can't wait uh, to get on that bus ministry. I can't wait to do this ministry or that ministry. Are you just as excited about doing the things of God as you are for the things that you wanted? Right? That's, That's kind of the focus here. Maybe there's something in the way. What if the Lord said to you, I want to bless your life more, but you have to get rid of that. You have to get rid of that one thing. How will you react? How will you respond when that decision point comes for you? Will you walk away uh, tonight grieved like that ruler did in our text because you didn't want to let that thing go? Or will you be humble enough to come to the altar at the end of the service and give your all to God and let him have his way with you? Jesus said in Matthew 19, uh, verse 29, And everyone that hath forsaken or let go, forsaken houses or, or brethren or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake, shall receive shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Folks, the Lord must have first place in our lives. He must have first place. He desires all of you, not just a piece of you, not just serving Him out of duty as Pastor mentioned this morning. All right? If you're putting uh, your family, your possessions, your pride or your fear or your hobbies or all these other things, if you're putting that before God, then you're no different than this rich young ruler. Right? He held back and he missed out. The ruler was more concerned with his wealth than he was with his walk. Are you more concerned about other things in your life other than your walk with God? You know That should be our primary focus, the testimonies that were given here tonight. Uh, that's important, right? We need to be seeing what the Lord's doing in our lives and, and putting that in perspective. And Lord, what are you trying to teach me? How can I keep you first in my life? How can I grow? And those kinds of things. And in our text here, Jesus is using covetousness as an example of the one thing this ruler needed to let go of. But what is it in your life? What is it that you're holding on to? What is that one thing that you need to let go of to give God first place in your life? Let's consider the response here from this ruler. We first see that uh, there's an eagerness in wanting to ask Jesus the question. Uh, In our verse here, it says he came running, came running to meet the Lord. He was eager, he was excited about getting an answer. You know, all of us need to have that eagerness, shouldn't we, of coming to God and wanting an answer, coming to his word, and, Lord, I have this question, I have this issue, how can you help me? I need your help, right? We need to have that eagerness there. Maybe you started off strong in your Christian walk, and you were just so excited about the Bible, and you were growing, but over time, maybe you lost that spark. You lost that enthusiasm that you once had for the things of God and for serving God, and it just became a duty, right? Just something you had to do, you had to trudge through, so God no longer had first place. There was something else that was there. You're not as eager to do anything for God anymore. You'd rather be like a reservoir of his blessings. If you think of a reservoir, a reservoir does what? It kind of contains things, right? And we, don't, we shouldn't be a reservoir of what God's doing in our lives. We need to be a river of God's blessings, right? We don't want to store up these things. We don't want to hold things back. Because when a reservoir, sometimes that water can become stagnant. And we don't want to be stagnant Christians, right? We want to have the Lord flowing through us and we want to do things for God and be vibrant and alive and, and be used by God. You know, with, that, with that reservoir, it's not until those floodgates are open that you get that power, the power of, of, of that water there. Excuse me. So if we're not careful, we can settle into our comfort zones and begin putting ourselves and our talents and our interests above the things of God and not to doing what He expects of us. And that stagnates our faith, and that limits the power of God. So we shouldn't store up those talents or those treasures. We need to use that uh, for God and let God's uh, blessings flow through us. So in his eagerness here, we not only see the ruler was running to talk to Jesus, but we see him being respectful uh, towards Jesus. He kneels at Jesus' feet, and he addresses him as good master. When was the last time that you ran to Jesus' feet, and he just spent time with, with the master? Just spent time with him in prayer? Spent time at the altar and just just communicated with him and let him speak to you, right? We need to have that respect. I'm afraid many of us are eager to run to God, but only when we want something like this ruler did. And we need to respect God enough to trust him with our lives and to keep him first, no matter the outcome. No matter the outcome. So in his eagerness, uh, we not only see this ruler running and respectful towards Jesus, but we also see him ready to hear. He was ready to receive instruction. By following just a few of the commandments that Jesus mentioned in verse 18, this ruler is thinking to himself, man, I got this. I got it. I, I did it. This is great. I'm in. He thought that he met the standard of the law. And he says in our text here that all these things I observed from my youth. But then in verse 21, Jesus touched on that one thing. That one thing that proved that he actually fell short of it. Look with me again here in verse 21. Verse 21 says this, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up that cross, and follow me. So Jesus knew this ruler loved his money and his stuff more than he really wanted to follow God. So when Jesus calls him out on it, and he highlights that one thing that he needed to do, uh, we read through the different accounts here of, of Matthew and Luke. Uh, It pretty much says the same thing. It says that he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. That was Matthew's account. Luke's account uh, says that he was very sorrowful because he was very rich. He didn't want to give these things up. And then in in our text here, it says that he walked away grieved because he had great possessions. And when this ruler was faced with making a major decision, when he was confronted with what he needed to do in order uh, to change his life, in order to put God first and be blessed, he made the wrong decision. He chose earthly, worldly possessions and he put God behind and he put himself first. The ruler wasn't ready to make the change in his life because he loved his stuff more than he loved God. He wasn't really serious about eternal life. So when that decision point comes for us, we need to be serious about doing the will of God and following the word of God. And we'll see that here in our second example in 1 Kings. So if you have your place there in 1 Kings... Let's take a look in First Kings 19. I want to look at the second example here. Another familiar account of how someone walked away from a major decision. And we'll take a look at the impacts here. As we'll see, the results are pretty different. Here in First Kings 19, we find a major decision getting ready to unfold in the life of Elisha. Let's pick it up in verses 19 through 21 of First Kings 19. It says this, so he, talking about the prophet Elijah, departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left, uh, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, go back again, for what have I done to thee? And verse twenty one says, And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So first we see here that Elijah or Elisha was a worker. He was a worker. He wasn't a dictator, he was a doer. And the Lord is looking for workers and not wimps, amen. He wants people who can put their hand to the plow and work and do the job that he calls them to do. He needs doers who are not afraid uh, to get the job done. And Elisha literally had his hand to the plow when he was faced with this decision. Even though he was wealthy, even though he had authority, uh, even though he had status, right, and those kinds of things, he was still humble enough to be found out there working in the heat, in the heat of the day. And we all know that hard work builds character, amen? And we see uh, many examples in the Bible uh, that were used by God uh, because they demonstrated a willingness to work. And Elisha uh, demonstrated that willingness to work. So we see that in in Elisha, but we also see that he was worthy of his calling. The prophet Elijah was not just out walking around one day and just happened to see Elisha out there in the field and said, oh, he looks like a good person to to be the next prophet and just kind of picked him. Uh, That's not the way it went down. Uh, we're not going to get into it here tonight, uh, but uh, up a couple of verses in verses 15 and 16. God was the one uh, who had chosen Elisha to be worthy uh, and uh, had chosen him to uh, exceed Elisha. Now, uh, casting the mantle there, that was uh, symbolic of passing uh, the prophetic authority from one to another. And in our text here, uh, that prophetic authority was about to be passed from Elisha to Elisha. And Elisha had no idea what was about to happen to him. Uh, He was just a humble worker there uh, who the Lord found worthy. I wonder, can that be said of you tonight? Can that be said of you? Are you a humble worker who the Lord can can find worthy to do his will, to do his work? As soon as Elijah cast his mantle uh, upon uh, Elisha, uh, at that moment, nothing else mattered to Elisha. He knew that there was a major decision that he had to make. That was time for him to make a decision. He knew he probably wouldn't get this chance again, and that uh, decision he made at that moment would have lifelong impacts uh, for him. The difference between Elisha and the rich young ruler is uh, is uh, God had first place in Elisha's life. Uh, God was first in Elisha's life. He was serious about his walk with God. Uh, he wasn't distracted by all his material wealth or all those things that he had. So when that decision point came for him to follow the word of God and the will of God, he was ready. He was ready. How about you tonight? Are you ready to follow the word of God and the will of God when he calls you? Are you serious about your faith? Are you ready to follow his call? Does he have first place in your life? Or is there something else holding you back from following the Lord? My final thought tonight is from these verses in uh, verses 20 and 21. It's how Elisha walked away. It's how he walked away and how he, uh, uh, when he was confronted with this major decision. What, what did he do? So Elijah chose to let everything go and follow God's call. But before moving forward, he first makes a request of Elijah. Look again here in First Kings 19, in verses 20 and 21. Verse 20 says, And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? In verse 21, and he returned back from him, and took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave it unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. So it's interesting to me uh, that Elijah's request was to first go back, instead of immediately go forward. You may remember when the disciples were called, the Lord said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And what did they do? Did they, did they wait around a while, or did they take some time to think about it? No, it says they immediately, right? They immediately dropped their nets, uh, and they followed the Lord. Now, they let go of their possessions, they let go of their professions, and they immediately obeyed and put the Lord first. You know, they had busy lives like all of us do, right? They were working, uh, and they were in their comfort zone, if you will. But when there was a higher calling, when they were faced with a major decision, the disciples immediately walked away, fully committed to following the will of God and the word of God. So what's the deal here with Elijah? Why does he delay? Why does he go back? Well, I believe he goes back to be a testimony. I believe he goes back to be a testimony to the people, to cut the ties with his old life. He doesn't go back to hold anything back. I believe he goes back uh, to show that he's 100% committed to this call, uh, this new call in his life. He not only walks away from his employment and his riches, uh, but he also goes a step further to prove his sincerity. He takes all the tools of his employment, all the instruments that he used for working in the fields there, uh, the belts, the, the, the plow, the yoke, all those things. He takes all that and in front of everybody, he burns it all up in a fire. Uh, It's kind of likened to uh, uh, whatever your profession is today. If you're a carpenter, if you're a farmer, or whatever it is, you take all the instruments and tools that you use for your profession, and you say, this is it. I'm I'm done. I'm following the Lord. I don't want to go back. And you just light it all on fire, and you don't look back. That's kind of what he did here. But not only that, not only does he burn all those things, he takes the very oxen that helped him to do the work, to plow the fields, uh, and he kills them and uses them, Uh, to to serve the people with the the meat there. Now, to me, that's showing 100% commitment, amen? That's 100% committed to the Lord's call. There was absolutely no question about his call and his decision uh, that he made here. So as soon as that feast is complete, uh, the Bible says that Elisha went after, or he ran to meet Elisha, and then he faithfully serves alongside of him. Folks, the Lord had a plan and a purpose for Elisha, just like he has a plan and a purpose for each of you. Right? And there's going to be a time when he's going to walk by and he's going to give you an opportunity to make a major decision that's going to impact the rest of your life. Maybe it's full-time ministry. Maybe it's missions. Maybe it's serving in a ministry uh, somewhere. Or uh, maybe you just need to get, uh, get some things right tonight. Maybe, you've been, maybe you're not saved and you're just kind of waiting. You're just not at that point yet. Don't let this night pass you by. The Lord is asking you, this is your time, this is your decision point. Whatever it is, again, I ask you the question how will you walk away tonight when He brings that life changing decision to mind? When the Holy Spirit puts His finger on something that you need to take care of because maybe the Lord's not first place in your life, and you need to get that taken care of. He's looking for willing servants, worthy servants, humble servants, servants who are ready to listen, ready to work, ready to let go, ready to give all, and ready to follow Christ. For me in my life, I had to let go of the military. That was the one thing that was holding me back. I didn't have to retire from the military, uh, but the military uh, career was my one thing. And in 2013, I left everything on the altar, because that was the time when the the Lord was calling me. I was faced with that life-changing decision and I walked away knowing that I gave him 100% of that one thing. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to get out of the military, I'm going to retire, and I'm going to serve you full-time. But I had, to, I had to leave it all at the altar. I had to get to that point where I had to make that decision. And, and that was a life-changing decision for me. I wouldn't be here today if I would have stayed in the military. But the Lord very clearly, very specifically called me to do what I'm doing. And at that moment, I made that decision. Okay, Lord, I'm yours, 100%. I'm in. And that, that's what we need to do. And he's blessed my life exceedingly abundantly above. But how about you tonight? How about you? What is the Lord doing in your life? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about at this moment? What is your one thing that might be holding you back? God's waiting for you to let go of that one sin, that one possession, that one care, that one profession, that one thing that maybe you're putting ahead of God. You know, He wants to have first place in your life and bless you in ways that you have no idea but you have to be willing to give him everything and leave your all on the altar when that decision point comes for you. I have a final story here, and then we'll have a time of invitation. It's a story here. F.B. Meyer, uh, he was a Baptist pastor and evangelist in England in the late 1800s. What I'm about to read here was taken from an address that he gave his students in Cleveland, Ohio in February of 1898. And during his address, he's illustrating a prayerful time when he had to make a major decision in his life. And he said this to his students. He said, "'I knelt down that night and thought I can give myself to Christ as easily as possible. So in my mind, I gave him an iron ring. This ring was the iron ring of my will, and it had all the keys on it except for one. I gave him everything except that one little key. In my submission, I heard the Lord ask, "'Are all the keys here?' I said, they're all here but one. It's a key to a tiny little closet in my heart, which I must keep control. I said, it's just a little closet. Thou needest not interfere with it. Then as the Lord put the ring of keys back into my hand and headed away from me toward the door, he said this. He said, my child, if you cannot trust me with all, you do not trust me at all. I tried to make terms. I said, Lord, I'll be so devoted in everything else, but I can't live without the contents of that one little closet. I need that key. He seemed to keep moving away from me toward the door. So I called him back again. I said, Lord, I'm not willing, but I'm willing to be made willing. So I looked up into the face of Christ, and I gave him that one last key and said, Now, Lord, I am thine. There's more to his address here, but he goes on to say this. He says, I believe, young friends, that my whole life was just hovering in the balance of that one decision. And if I had kept that key back for myself, if I would have held on to that one thing and walked away and mistrusted Christ, he never would have trusted me with his blessed word. Now, I don't know what decision that you might be facing tonight. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you desire a closer walk with the Lord. Maybe the Lord doesn't have first place in your life, and you need to get that taken care of tonight. Maybe He's calling you into full-time ministry. Maybe there's something you've been holding on to that you need to get rid of tonight before He can bless you with more, and you know what that is. Whatever the need is tonight, I encourage you, get things settled at the altar tonight. Don't hold on to that one thing. Give it to God 100%, and He'll bless you in ways that you had no idea. And he did that with me, and I'm just, just holding on, and He's just opening the door wide, and He's blessing after blessing after blessing. He'll do the same for you, but you have to let go of that one thing and put the Lord first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do ask that-